keeping you a step ahead of the changing world of business. This is Voice America Business. Welcome to The Quantum Leap Catalyst with Terry Ostroviak. In the next hour, Terry and his guests discuss how to accelerate your business success and turn possibility into certainty. So turn up your speakers and hold on. Here's your host of The Quantum Leap Catalyst, Terry Ostroviak. Hi, good morning everybody. This is Terry Ostroviak talking to you from San Diego in the United States. Uh, welcome to our show today. We're going to be talking about cultural differences. And we're going to be talking about diversity in business, diversity of employees and um, clients as well, for that matter, as well as uh, any customers or uh, any stakeholders in businesses. What are the what are the diversities that relates to different kinds of people's thinking? Today, uh, our guest is uh, internationally renowned in her in her field. She is a director of marketing for IBM in the Benelux, Benelux countries. For people who don't know exactly where the Benelux countries are, it's a combination of Belgium, Netherlands, and Luxembourg. And uh, she's talking to us from a small town called Oysterwijk. It sounds very much like my last name, Ostroviak, but uh, there's no connection. Um, she has been in at IBM for many years and has traveled extensively throughout the world. She's going to be sharing what works and what goes wrong in small and large businesses in the area of cultural diversity, cultural um, differences as well as diversity, both those two areas slightly different. And she'll be talking to us from an international perspective. Some of you might be asking the question, what is what is important about that in small businesses? Well, we'll be discussing it, and I'd ask you to think openly this morning about what are some of the diversity issues that we have in small businesses as well as in large businesses. So let me introduce her from the, from, from, uh, the Netherlands at the moment, Director of Marketing for IBM, Louise Out. Good morning, Louise, and for you, good afternoon. Hi, Terry. Hi. <laughs> Lovely to have you. All right, so we'll start off this morning and this afternoon for you, Louise, and ask you how you understand the word cultural differences. Okay, what now the, uh, yeah, the cultural differences basically is um, everything that is, um, um, that is different uh, from one culture to another culture, obviously, but basically what it is is the openness of people to first of all understand what those differences are, but second of all, um, understand that there are differences and that these differences are important, these differences are there, and these differences should be recognized. It's very important for organizations to have that, especially when um, on the one side, one lives in a small country like the Netherlands or like Belgium or Luxembourg. On the other hand, very much for um, uh, organizations in large countries like either the U.S. or China um, where it might not be so apparent um, to immediately look at those cultural differences because the countries are so large. But it still is very important because we have people all over the world um, wanting to do business with us, 
and I think in both small and large companies that's important. Louise, I remember at one stage that you lived in the United States. For instance, you came, uh, your father was also at IBM at one time, and uh, you lived in the United States while he was seconded there. What were some of the impressions that you had, uh, being, a, let's call it a European just for a moment, as opposed to uh, just Dutch, because now all of a sudden your, your ambit, your area of, of uh, responsibility is actually for three different countries rather than just for one country. What were some mm-hmm. of the differences you found in your experience in the United States as a, as a young child, let's say? Yeah, as a, as a young child, when I was six years old, I lived for two years in the U.S., and I remember at that time that... Um, Compared to the Netherlands, there were a lot more people from different backgrounds um, than there were in the Netherlands in those days. I mean, I'm talking uh, 1971, 1972. Um, whereas when I uh, was in the U.S. later on, I th- I thought it was a little bit more the opposite because at that time the Netherlands had really um, started to be a, a huge melt pot of all kinds of, of cultures, if I compare it to it now in my job that I have now. And there's a lot of differences between the Belgium, the Luxembourg, um, and the Dutch culture, although it's all very um, uh, close to one another. Uh, the, con- the three countries together are smaller than most of the states of the United States. Um, separately. Give us some examples. Give us some examples of some of the things that might have happened to you uh, that you that you remember. Maybe even in, in in relation to from a business perspective, that would be helpful to all the people that are listening from all the different countries this, this afternoon or this morning to our show. Okay. The um, the things that are that are very important right now is that. Um, what I see is when a company is open to cultural differences um, is that in the end the um, uh, the decisions that we make and an example for instance is um, um, an event externally for clients or prospects but it also can be an event that we just had internally is that when we discuss that with people from different backgrounds, it more resembles the market that we're in. And that makes the decision always a lot better, opposed to a decision that we make based on, you know, the few people that we know of that are pretty much the same in our organization, and uh, then it never gets as good as the decision. Okay, so you're saying on, say for instance from a decision-making point of view, what are some of the differences that you've recognized in different countries? Well, that's a huge, amount of, a huge amount of, of, uh, of differences. In the U.S., um, uh, people sit together, they talk it over, and they make the decision, they stick to it. Yep. Yes. In the Netherlands, um, people sit together, they talk about it a very long time, on and on and on. Yeah, we all negotiate about the decision. We all agree that that is the right decision, and then we take the decision. What I see in a country like Belgium... Um, well, just before we you move on to Belgium, just yeah. from my experience of being in the Netherlands as well, there's very much more of a consensus kind of attitude, isn't there? Yes. 
Absolutely. Compared with uh, um, the majority rules in, say, English-speaking countries. It's, it's very much consensus. Everybody has to agree in we sort of negotiate the decision together, and everybody has to feel uh, happy about that decision, which is completely different in uh, Anglo-Saxon companies, uh, countries. countries. Yes. So, in other words, it takes a long time to come up with a decision then in, in the Netherlands often. Yeah. Because yeah. everybody is going to be included in some way and you'll negotiate with them to see whether the differences can't be minimized. Yeah. That's the And also, yeah. Uh, also, um, you know, we can, um, I sometimes try to sort of just, you know, force that decision, and then what we see is that the decision is not being um, carried by the team. Yes. So in right. the end, it's not working out. Okay, so... So when you when you when you've been a bit pushy because in, in a sense you work for an American company, but in a different environment completely. So that's very interesting. All right, and um, let's let's just expand that a little bit more and let's talk about, uh, for instance, in Belgium, what would be the difference or the distinction there? Uh, what I've seen right now in Belgium is that there's more of a um, it's the consensus model that we just spoke about. Yes. Um, but then people. Um, get back on that decision. They think it over, and then they say, well, I really thought about this decision, but I would like to add in so-and-so um, kind of facts. The so, decision the in decision, so the initial decision is not carried until after this additional discussion takes place. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and it sounds funny, but it is yeah. a fact, and it is, yes. it's very important um, to consider that fact, because otherwise we're not on the same uh, wavelength. Right. Um, the decision in itself mostly gets better. Don't get me wrong, the decision gets better. It's just the, you got to take more time in order right. to, to, to take that decision. All right. You know, Luis, we have a caller who's just called in now from Spain. His name is Wally. And we'll just have to wait just for one moment, if you could just hold Wally until just after our break. And uh, Wally, I know, uh, I think I remember him from uh, from previous uh, times, if this is the same person. So we'll be talking to him at a later stage, just after the break. If you'll just hold on a moment, Wally, if you're listening to this right now. And we'll come back and we'll be talking about what some of those instances are. We do, do have a moment uh, still, in fact. Um, so I just, all right, just let me just briefly, just in one or two sentences, tell me about uh, Luxembourg. What's different in Luxembourg? Okay, Luxembourg is very much a, um, it's a German, more German-influenced country. Um, yes. So that is totally different from the way, especially the Belgians uh, make decisions, and the, yes. um, also the Dutch. And there it's a lot more uh, on... Um, Authority, uh, the yes. decisions are being made, and people stick very much to the decisions that that have been made. So that is quite different, uh, and yes. and very interesting, of course, being in that um, Benelux situation. Right. So you can imagine it's pretty challenging to um, to to make sure that we all sort of fit in into that. 
Okay, three different, distinct, different cultures then. And so managing in an environment like that can't be that easy. But that's, I mean, we could look upon that as, as, a, as a large um, arena to work in, and we could also break it down to a microcosm and say in small businesses, very often that happens as well. If people have that, those different types of thinking, and we try to make a decision and they're all involved, that must make a big difference. So when we come back after the break, let's look at a few examples of some of those things that may occur in our own area. Um, and I'm, when I say our own, I'm talking about our listeners as well. And if people would like to call in just after our break as well, uh, we'll take Wally first, and then just after that we'll uh, talk about other countries too. So let's go into the break right now. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the second part of our show this morning in San Diego or this afternoon if you're in Europe or even later on that if you're in other areas like the Middle East. Um, we have our guest with us this morning who is uh, the pres- the vice, um, in fact, not that. She's the marketing director for, uh, for IBM in the Benelux countries. That means for the Netherlands, Belgium, and Luxembourg. And we've been talking about cultural differences. We have a guest on the line at the moment. Uh, his name is Wally. He's just come through from Spain, and uh, he told me during the break that he's from Barcelona. Wally, tell us a little bit about yourself and what is it that you wanted to find out or discuss with us today. I, um, I'm living in Spain for the last 17 years, and uh, since I've worked in, in North America and Latin America, I understand a little bit of uh, the, the cultural differences that exist in those countries. However, when I came to Spain, the, the cultural differences within the country of Spain, to me, were not that well noticed. But within the different regions of the Spaniards, they felt that they were different. But yet, Spain now is becoming a, um, a, uh, a country that is receiving a lot of immigration from South America and from the northern part of Africa. And, and right now, small companies Wallace. really are having difficulties, small right. companies are having difficulties in dealing with this, uh, this type of um, new immigration. My question right. is... Wally, I don't know if you heard me. Where did you come from originally? I, I I was born in Ecuador, but I I lived 35 years in the States. Okay, so you are an American, in fact. Yes, I, I'm I'm a North American. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Tell us about the differences that you experienced in Spain, for instance, in the different areas in the, Catalonia. The, for example, the, the, like the Basque area. region with the with the Andalusian region, for example, there yes. are two different, uh, very different uh, cultures. Yeah. But yet. Uh, for the people that come myself, when I came in, I couldn't tell the difference. But when I start working, the difference were very, very um, light. But yet, people just felt that they they must preserve these differences. They 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 need to be different from one region to another, and that that caused a little bit of problems. But now the the problem right now is. We have a lot of South Americans, Ecuadorians, Peruvians, Colombians, Argentinians that really are different. And they are having a difficult time in... Uh, in uh, Tell us what's different. Mingling. Give us an example or a few examples of what's different in, the, in Spanish culture for other uh, Spanish-speaking people that come into, into Spain. The, the first one is the, the discipline of work. 
You see, oh, Spain, yeah. Spain, since is a country that is that is right now is becoming heavier, um, is is heavy industrialized, and right. uh, in South America, for some reason, they um, they are used to a, a different discipline, and right. in adjusting these disciplines, it's it's the the biggest challenge that most most small companies have. Right. You say time dis- disciplines. What is the difference in distinction in time discipline? For example, in, in Spain, you, uh, the, the, the schedules in Spain are from 8 in the morning to 8 in the evening with right. two hours lunch. It's the same eight hours, but yes. yet you spend 12 hours at work. 12 and hours. In South America, they work like in the United States, 9 to 5, or like in Northern, Northern Europe, 9 yes. to 5. And that is very difficult, particularly just in the time. But in here, in Spain, everybody's used to having a, a two-hour, two, two-hour-and-a-half lunch. Okay. And then working later, right? Right, yes. Interesting, Wally. Tell us about another thing. I remember at one time when I came into Barcelona to do some workshops, for instance, I noticed that there was a dif- distinct difference in culture as compared with other European countries. Um, some of the comments that I got in the workshop or after the workshop that I ran in, in Spain was that they were surprised at the adult way in which I operated the program. In other words, they felt that I had asked a lot of questions and I didn't talk as though I was the expert on the subject. Whereas um, apparently in, in, uh, in Spanish uh, business, for instance, uh, there is a, there's a different kind of attitude in a way. In other words, the, the, the lecturer or the teacher or the manager is considered to be the authority on the subject, and people automatically defer to that person, whereas in the Netherlands, totally different situation. It's a very adult-to-adult kind of relationship. And so I suppose that I got affected by that by living in the Netherlands during that period. So coming into Spain... I found that uh, people were not used to being asked their opinion, for instance. And when they expressed it, they were a little bit hesitant for a moment, but then afterwards got the idea. Have you, uh, have you recognized that yourself? Oh, yes. yes that, that is very uh, 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 acute right now because, you see, in, 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 in Spain and all Latin countries, the parental, the quotes, respect that they have yes. for anybody that has got a title. Yes. And it is very difficult for them to share information, share of themselves. They have a very acute sense of uh, of shyness. Right. It's a, it's kind of it's like deferring to people on a higher level and feeling that they don't have the right sometimes to share their opinions unless asked for it. Is that the idea? That's it. Yeah. That's it, that's okay, it. now that's very different uh, automatically. So, you know, in different countries, we just behave differently there. Louise, are you still there? Yes, I'm there. Okay, so Louise, how do you see that, for instance, in, in a Dutch environment, for instance? Uh, very different. The, uh, in the Dutch environment, um, it's like you can't do business with somebody if you don't know a lot about that uh, person. So I've heard people from English-speaking countries uh, saying to me, these are really such uh, questions I wouldn't even ask my sister or my mother. Um, So it's really the the way way around. People are very much more 
you can say open, but you could also use another word for it. Um, and that is necessary to do business uh, with. We want to in know. Other words, in other words, the trust levels have to be much higher. Is that what you're suggesting? That's what I'm saying. Yes. Okay, so the trust level isn't there. And, and the trust level comes as a result of knowing people very well. But I would imagine that that's, is that as important in Spain, Wally? Yes, it's very, it's very, very, it's very important. Like, like you see, you, most of us, most uh, in Spain, for example, being a, a Catholic country, uh, religion gets into, 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 into the way, you know? Yes. And when people try to share certain things, they have some, some, uh, some um, uh, values that are, you know, they are shared from from their grandparents, and that is very difficult, particularly in the smaller towns. When you go into the center of Spain, it's right. very difficult to to obtain information from these people, and then you have to you have to even from the people that are there. Imagine the people that are coming from from other countries. So, the, in a sense, the the levels, the the levels, the hierarchical levels in some countries, or in let's say in some cultures, it's not so much a country; it's a cultural value. It's also a cultural value stops people from being as free and as open as they would be, say, for instance, in an English-speaking environment, or particularly in an American environment. You see, when we're talking about homogenous cultures, for instance, in the Netherlands. The majority of people in the Netherlands speak Dutch and are Dutch and are brought up in a Dutch way. In the United, and, and I imagine exactly the same thing in Spain. Although the world has changed dramatically, and so we've got many immigrants coming in from other countries, and uh, there are expatriates uh, living in in other countries as well, doing short-term work there, and they have to be accommodated into the workplace. And those differences we sometimes sometimes take for granted. In the United States, for instance, it's not unusual to have uh, maybe five, ten different people in an organization that all come from different backgrounds, and we automatically say or think of them as just fitting in or blending into the culture. Well, that makes it very difficult. So we need to be making decisions, for instance, or try to get people's opinions. We might wonder why they are not as forthcoming as they should be. So that's really the issue, isn't it? Okay, yeah, because you know what happens is sometimes in uh, in, uh, in 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 a country such as Spain, in in the middle of of um, of the country, mobility for executives is almost zero. People just stay. They go to school in their own state, in their own province, and they work in their own province, and they never dream of, aware of, of moving. So you, of when, when, I, when I have meetings with people, it's right. very rare to have one or two people that are come from outside of their, their environment. Right. Never mind somebody that's okay, from outside. Okay, and I suppose this morning and, and this afternoon for you, we're, we're talking in a, in a, a business in a global environment, and we're also saying that if we are doing business with people, for instance, if we're exporting or importing stuff and we're dealing with clients from other countries, we cannot assume that they're exactly the same as us. Absolutely. Yes, yep. And that is absolutely the point that, um, that, that I think is the most important of these cultural differences. The, um, we really need to let go of this whole assuming part. We cannot assume in, in doing business with, uh, with other uh, cultures, um, right. and, and it's, it really is an insult for other right. cultures. 
Right, we have to go into a break right now, and we'll be back just after the break, and we'll talk more about this subject and get some more examples, particularly in small business. So don't leave, be with us, and we'll get some more examples of how important it is to be in connection with, with people from other, from other cultures, even in our own company. So let's go to the break right now. Hi, everybody. This is Terry Ostroviak speaking to you from San Diego. We're talking about cultural differences today, and we have uh, with us the Director of Marketing for the Benelux countries, meaning Netherlands, Belgium, and Luxembourg. And we also have a phone-in guest this morning, Wally, who's phoning us from Barcelona. He's an American who um, obviously has a Spanish background, uh, or Spanish-speaking background, I should say, but has been living in Barcelona for many years. We're talking about examples of the differences in, let's say, Latin, Latin countries, if I can just class them together for a moment, uh, the more sort of northern European countries, and also talking about the United States. Louise, let's just talk briefly about in the Netherlands, there's a term that they use called relativieren. Can you explain that to us, please? Yeah. The, uh, the, the, the term relativieren is, is sort of um, don't make a fuss out of it, and that is very much implemented in our, our culture. So um, in, if you really want to stand out, that is something that is not so much done in our culture than it is in, for instance, the um, English-speaking cultures. Yeah, I learned that to my, <laughs> you know my that. horror after three years of being in the Netherlands that there was a culture or there was a way of thinking called relativering, or it's like relative and veering on the end of it. It means to put things into perspective or to see things from both sides, and it's yeah. very much a, a Dutch way of thinking. In other words, if just expressing one side of an opinion is not good enough, we actually have to look at both sides. It's very much like salespeople, for instance, going out to sell and giving a whole list of benefits of a product or service and then failing, and this is really sounds crazy, but failing to give some of the negative sides or the negative reasons why, why, why people should or shouldn't buy. In other words, allowing the clients to decide for themselves whether the product or service is going to be valuable, not trying to power our, our viewpoint across. It's very much like it's a very adult-to-adult adult kind of relationship rather than a parent talking to a child. Would that sum it up correctly, Louise? Yes, and it's, um, what it gives is it gives the other person a feeling of honesty, and that is something that's very important in our culture. Whereas in other cultures, it sounds, you know, almost ridiculous to do that in, in the example of a, uh, of a salesperson. So you um, think people in English-speaking cultures are not, sometimes not as honest as they should be if they're selling or trying to persuade? Um, perceived in the Dutch culture. Let's, let's, uh, let's put it that way. Yes. Oh, perceived in a, in, in, from a Dutch perspective. And yeah, the reason is because they only give one side of the story, never give the yes. other side. Exactly. Yeah. For a Dutch person, if you'd say, well, you know, so-and-so and so are the benefits of this product, uh, on the other hand, if this is what you're looking for, then, um, you know, something else would be, uh, would be better. And that is being perceived as very honest, which also could make, it's so much that this person would not buy from you the first time, but would say, well, you know, he's not 
cheating on me, so I'm going to come to him or to her the next time. So it really is something that is that is we need to, to look into because otherwise we're going to fail in the long run. Uh, okay, now let's talk about let's 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 change over just for a moment and let's talk about diversity, Louise. When we talk about diversity, it's, I mean, it's a word thrown around quite a lot today in business internationally. What does it mean exactly? Well, diversity is, is really um, being able, from a com- company perspective, to have people in your team from different um, parts of the world, from different ethnic backgrounds, from different uh, races, from different genders, from different um, sexual orientation, everything. In other words, you're saying that it's not just an accident that there sometimes are people with different backgrounds in a company. You say we should actually plan to do that. Why would we want to do that? We would want to do that for three reasons. The first reason is, first of all, to be a reflection of the market outside. Um, we We should focus on being that same kind of market where we have all these people, uh, as, as I just uh, mentioned. The second reason is that the decisions we make tend to be better decisions um, when we have a diverse group of people uh, there. There's been tons of surveys um, and, and uh, scientific evidence of that. The third reason is that if... Just clarify that one before you go on to the third one. What exactly do you mean? Evidence to show what? And that, uh, for instance, on the female piece, there's a study of Catalyst that where there's senior uh, managers in the board who are female, the shareholder value uh, for the from that company is um, um, 36% higher. So I mean, that's you know, that's not nothing. And the bottom line is 36% more as a result of having female. Management people in the, yeah people females in the in the senior management team, oh, which means that management. yeah in yeah. the senior management team, um, and um, um, the, the study is called the bottom line. It's really about the, the the value back to the shareholder. Now those are studies that are you know important because they really compare companies' uh, financial performance with or without females in the board. You can do this by female. There's a a lot of other studies. Now, that's the point number two. The point number three is um, for a company like IBM, we really want to attract the best talent there is. And if we don't attract the talent from certain ethnic groups or certain uh, races or certain uh, people with sexual orientation, then we miss out talent. And that's not a wise thing to do for a company. Okay, so explain that further. Why do you think that that's important? I mean, you in, in IBM, you must have a large number of diverse people in your organization. What are some of the values or benefits, or could you give us an example, for instance? Um, the example is that um, really when as a company, because it's not just diversity, it's really inclusion as well. If we yes. make sure that our that our internal culture is so that uh, people feel included, then... For these, ah, that's the thing. key. It's feeling included that's the key in the whole process. It's not a matter of just staffing the organization with no. the people of different sexual backgrounds or different sexual orientations or different color 
or different religions. Uh, it's really a matter of total inclusion, total acceptance. That's what you're suggesting. That's exactly what we're doing at IBM, and that's what I'm suggesting to small and large companies, because then you get the best out of, out of your people. Why, why is it important, though? I mean, I mean it's, it sounds from a human values perspective, it obviously is very important. And we're talking about global economies, even for small businesses today. What is the benefit for small the businesses? Benef- the benefit is that if um, all companies have to innovate these days, yes. innovation can only be done if we have diverse teams coming up with new ideas, with new thinking, with new either products or services. That mostly, let's, you know, we're speaking in general here, that mostly doesn't happen that much in homogeneous um, environments. Ah, okay. So that's the, and that's the whole point. You're saying that in, in homogeneous societies, for instance, uh, well, uh, maybe even in, in a place like the Netherlands, which is becoming more metropolitan, let's say, more yeah, culturally diverse, yeah. certainly Absolutely. so in the United States, that, the, that there is new creativity coming as a result of people who think in a different way. And if we accommodate them, we could get all kinds of new ideas, as well yeah. as for the marketplace, too. It gives us an... Uh, uh, I mean, these people coming from different marketplaces also tell us a lot more about what's happening in other markets. Yeah. Would that be so? Yeah. And it's, it's okay. extremely important and it's extremely valuable. And by the way, it's a lot of fun as well. It's really a lot of fun. There's so many different things coming up in these, uh, these teams that also, you know, everybody has his or her boundaries and it's really fun to listen to these different ideas and to, you know, move them into something which is profitable for a company. And Let me ask Wally just for one moment. Wally, tell us about diversity in a place like Spain. And you come from Catalonia in Barcelona. You see, one of the, the, the for for a long time, Catalonia was a uh, it was the engine of the industry in Spain. But yeah. uh, for many years, for the last ten years, Catalonia has fallen a little bit behind Madrid. And Madrid is ahead is because exactly what Luis is saying. The, the companies in Madrid are more diversified. A lot of foreigners, they just go to, to, to Madrid, and companies are really taken off because diversity is, is making them more creative and innovation is, is part of this growth within these two big cities in, in, in Spain. And uh, Catalonia is it's now yeah, so, so pushing is for, for exactly what she's saying. You know, trying to get people... Uh, from different cultures to innovate in their, yes. in their small businesses. Very good. We're going to go to a break again in a, in a moment. If anybody would like to call in from outside to add to our conversation, maybe from another country, be very happy to have you uh, make a few suggestions. Um, just after the break, we'll wrap up a lot of the areas that we've talked about. And once again, I'd like to come up with a couple more examples that are important. Um, I'll also just briefly tell you that when I first came into the Netherlands, I remember calling in one day to a big company just near Schiphol Airport, and somebody said to me, you're very rude on the phone, Mr. Ostroviak. And I said, really? Why do you say that? And she said, you never give us your name first. You should say, this is Terry Ostroviak, and then ask for the person. But you're assuming that we're just lowly secretaries, and that's uh, denigrating for us. 
well, I was horrified that I hadn't picked that up. But just a little cultural difference like that makes a huge difference. When we come back, we'll be talking again with uh, with uh, Louise, and we'll get a few pointers from Wally as well. So let's go into the break. Stay with us until just after the break. Hi, everybody. This is Terry Ostroviak. We're going into the last part of our show on cultural differences today. We've been talking about diversity with uh, Louise Out. Louise is the marketing director for the Benelux countries uh, from IBM. The Benelux countries, once again, meaning the Netherlands, uh, Belgium, and Luxembourg. We've also been talking with a caller in, Wally, who phoned us in from uh, from Spain, from Barcelona in Spain. And we have another caller who's just come in as well, and that is Walter from San Diego. Would you put him through, please? Walter, are you there? Walter? Not yet. All right, Louise. When, when, when they put him through, then it'll be clear. That'll be okay, okay. for us. All right, Louise, let's just, uh, let's just sum up some of the things. Let's go into a few more examples. What I'd like to do, if we could just do this for a moment, is talk about some of the things that we could do in small businesses, because there are a lot of smaller businesses, smaller business people listening into our show today. In the area of cultural diversity or cultural differences and diversity, what are some tips that you could give us to make our businesses more aware or more sensitive? Okay those The first one is a very practical one, especially for small businesses. Um, in order to um, uh, to understand what it is um, somebody else is thinking, we need to prepare the talks that we have with other people. So very basic things are, is um, looking on the Internet about the company, the background, the heritage, maybe the person, something's in there, and then find out what are some of the, uh, let's say, cultural backgrounds of that person um, that one is talking to. And that might sound different, but really in this age uh, of Internet, it's not that difficult at all. And that will help us very much um, in ha- making a good first appearance. Okay. Very interesting. You know, now, as you talk about, Walter just called in from San Diego a little while ago, and uh, apparently he was listening in, but we've lost him. But I, I did talk with him during the week. He called, he called me and asked me whether he could just make a point. He said he was doing business. Uh, he, he's in the fish industry. He's originally from South Africa, and he was doing business in Hong Kong and Japan. And at one stage, he mentioned to me that he had a friend uh, that wanted to do business in Hong Kong and asked him if he could make some introductions. So Walter gave him a, a name of somebody that would help him in the, in the particular business he was in. And when he called him, he said, I can't do business with you. I don't know anything about you. How do I know that you're going to deliver the things that you suggested that you would deliver? So one of the things that we learned from this exercise is that if we're doing business in certain Asian countries, probably all Asian countries, they are very, very focused on the value of knowing the people that they're doing business with before they'll even get to the first stages. And I think yep. you mentioned that earlier, Louise, also a vitally important area in the, in, in, in the Netherlands. We have to know the background, the pedigree of the person, and we need the recommendations, if not testimonials, long before we'll ever get to the point of doing business with them. Absolutely. There are certain Asian cultures where um, it is important before you sit down 
um, there is a, a special sort of seating, and the most important person sits in a, in a different spot than um, a less important person. Those are all things one needs to know before um, uh, trying to do business with somebody else, and they are very important. As a matter of fact, they are vital. If you don't know what that is, you'll never do business with these people. Understandable. Right. So it's very even important. smaller businesses then, even smaller businesses doing business with uh, with people in Europe or in Asia, need to do their homework and need to do the research. And the best place to do it, then you're saying, is on the internet. There are also very some very interesting books that are out on the area of culture. For instance, there is uh, books by uh, I'm just going to say it in a Dutch way because he's a Dutch author. His name is Geert which is G-E-E-R-T, Geert, that's how you would pronounce it, I think. And his surname or last name is um, Hofstede, H-O-F-S-T-E-D-E, written books, quite a number of books on culture. In fact, I think that the study that he did, the research was done at IBM, and it might not be as uh, openly accepted in IBM, uh, the original research that was done, but the book is very, very valuable in getting an understanding of the differences between what he calls male and female cultures on the one hand, and yep. also the other one, which is community-oriented thinking as opposed to, or communal-oriented thinking as opposed to individualistic thinking. They talk about America. America on the scale, on the metrics, is probably the highest point on individualistic, and also very, very male-oriented cultures are very... Um, I would say autocratic cultures would be the high. Those are vitally important. Yeah. Well, Geert Hofstede was in, uh, used to work with IBM, and I know his work. And as a matter of fact, we um, we uh, ask him very often to uh, to come back. He's a very good author on this uh, subject. Yes. Right. And there's another book as well called Riding the Waves of Culture, written by Fons, another Dutchman, Fons Trompenaars, T-R-O-M-P-E-N-A-A-R-S, which you can look up on the Internet if anybody is interested in getting more understanding of it. It's, uh, I know he lectured at Webster University, for instance, in, uh, in Leiden, uh, also on culture. And those books are extremely valuable. There are others as well, but those two I found particularly valuable in this area. Did you ever read uh, or hear, hear of Fonce Trompenaars, Louise? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, those are those are really the two big names, and uh, especially when uh, when uh, I started working for um, you know in the Benelux, those were the two that I referred to as well. Yeah, right. So when we talk today, and I, we're going to be closing in a few moments, and I just want to make this point um, that when we talk about uh, quantum leap thinking, and you know they. The show is called The Quantum Leap Catalyst. It says that we need to take this big jump ahead today, and maybe that big jump ahead has to do with understanding or an awareness or a sensitivity to cultural differences, as well as inclusive, being more inclusive of people from diverse backgrounds in our business, as well as maybe different markets. Are we going to different markets and look at the possibility of different markets. So those are the things that can create quantum leap jumps in, uh, in, in our business, in our bottom line. So that's vitally important. Louise, thank you very much for being with us today. I really appreciate it. I know that you had a very tight schedule. Uh, Louise uh, was actually in the middle of a conference and uh, managed to, to, to be with us uh, during this very heavy 
business period. And I really appreciate the time that you've given us, Louise. Lovely chatting to you. Our guest next week, don't forget, is going to be a man who is vitally uh, involved in um, small businesses, and he's going to be talking about developing an exit strategy that maximizes the value of our business so that we ultimately get paid what we're worth or what the business is worth. Vitally important. His name is Stephen Beck. He's the chairman or, or the CEO, in fact, of Cottingham Management Trust and very, very clued up in the area of maximizing the value of our businesses, particularly small businesses. Louise, one last thought as we close off today. Yep. One last thought oh, from you. Oh, sorry. Uh, one last thought. I think the the value of um, being aware of diversity and of cultural differences is very often underestimated. And to give an example, I mean, go to Catalyst on the Internet and look up Catalyst.com, uh, right? Yeah, no, Catalyst.org. I'm sorry. Catalyst.org. And look at the survey uh, that has been done, which is called the bottom line. And there really you got, you know, from a business perspective, that's where the business case for um, right. being aware of cultural differences and diversity is. Thank you very much, Louise. So we're closing off our show today. Be back with us next week, Monday morning, 8 o'clock uh, Pacific time, San Diego, 5 o'clock in Europe, 6 o'clock in Middle East in the evening. Uh, we'll be talking again about how to value our small business. Good morning, good evening, have a great time. Bye.